Two quick announcements to look at before we move into our message in Mark, or turning to Matthew chapter 1 there. First of all, how many remember packing some shoeboxes? It wasn't all that long ago. We got word, we have put a tracking number on, on our boxes, and we found out that the boxes, most of the boxes that were sent from here probably went to Mexico, the Philippines, Peru, and the Mideast. And then some of them went to some uh, limited access countries that they weren't able to give the name of. So your boxes are missionaries around the world. And we want to thank the Lord for that. Also, uh, if you weren't here last week, we have a calendar and some pens out there we would like you to uh, avail yourself of. And I think there's still some cards left out there from uh, Ginger and myself. So they're out in the foyer as, as you make your way out. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 18, as we pick up the Christmas story here this morning. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph... Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She shall bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Joseph arose from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took her as his wife. And he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. We have that song, and I believe Jim and Lou sang it for us last week, Redeeming Love. Yeah, that, I thought I got that right. <laughs> my, my mind doesn't always remember as much as it used to any, any, anymore. But uh, the words are very familiar to us. It's a Christmas carol. From God's heaven to a manger, from great riches to the poor, came the holy Son of God, a little child. And the reason for that is given in the chorus, redeeming love, a love that knows no limits. Redeeming love, a love that never dies. My soul shall sing throughout the endless ages the adoration of his great love on high. We celebrate today our fourth candle we celebrate actually the love of God. If you recall, we started by looking at the hope that we have, the hope of a glorious future. We then looked at the peace that God has brought to us. And last week we celebrated joy. This week we get to celebrate the love of God. And as, as we, we think of that, we associate love with Christmas time, don't we? We, we think of family times. We, we think of sharing that love through gifts and so forth. And, and uh, it, it should be a time of love in our lives. In John chapter 3, verse 16, we read, For God, what? So loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him might not perish but have everlasting life. It sums up for us in that one short verse the very reason why he came into this world. He came because God so loved us. He came to demonstrate to us the, the, the love of God. 
Have you ever noticed how love means, that little word love means different things to different people? Have you ever tried to really sit down and write a definition of love? It's, it's tough to do, isn't it? We, we celebrated our 49th anniversary this week. And as, as I was reflecting on that, I, you know, we, we started out because we loved one another. But I wouldn't trade what we have today for what we had then. Love has changed. Love has grown. Uh, it, it, it has a way of changing us and so forth. I, I think one of the greatest attempts at defining love is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the, the love chapter. And in that passage, if, if you take time to study that passage out, you will find that love there is described as an action word. It's not just a feeling. It's an action word. And I think we need to to keep that in the back of our minds. It's easy for us to say that we love somebody. Sometimes it's tough to demonstrate that we love somebody. It was easy for God to say he loved the world. It was difficult for him to have to send his son, knowing he had to go to the cross. And so love becomes an action word for us. And yet, so often, how we treat one another becomes the measure of our love for God. If, if we love him, we will keep his commandments. We will love one another as he loved us. The interesting thing about love is uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he says, or excuse me, chapter 13, he says, love never fails. True love never fails. His love for us will never fail us today. And then you come down to verse 13 of that chapter, and, and he says, uh, Now abideth faith, hope, love. We, we've had those candles there. He didn't put joy in there, but we've had faith and hope. These three, but the greatest of these is love. And that's what we want to celebrate today, is the, the greatest of those three is love. Faith someday will be realized. Hope will become reality. His love endures throughout all of eternity. We will be marveling in the the greatness of his love. We realize that in a small way. I wonder how many of you went to bed last night with faith in the fact that they promised snow and hoped that it would be white in the morning. And it's been realized. We, we don't have to hope for that anymore. It, it, it came. <laughs> we can hope for more, yes. I, I, I agree. But uh, that's not the way it is with love. His love continues day after day, year after year. Throughout all of eternity, we're going to marvel in the, the depth of his love to us. We want to start. Remember, we're looking at the Advent season. We're looking at the coming of the Messiah. For Israel, it was the coming of the, the first coming of the Messiah they were looking forward to. For us, it's the second coming. He's coming again for us. And so uh, we want to go back to the Old Testament for a few minutes. What were they expecting when they thought of the love of God? What was his love? How was it displayed for Israel? How does the Old Testament describe God's love to us? It was, first of all, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, it was a redemptive love. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, beginning in verse 6, he says, You are a holy people to the Lord. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the people who are on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you, 
nor choose you because you were more in number than any of the peoples, for you were the least or the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers, the Lord brought you out by a mighty hand, redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of the Pharaoh, king of Egypt. There they were looking at the redemption that God gave to his people. He redeemed them from the the hand of Pharaoh, brought them out of slavery, out of bondage, and set them free to enjoy the life that he had for them. Gave them the, the, the promised land as well. As we we think about that, we're not in slavery to Egypt, are we? We've never been in slavery. But yet, I wonder, have we? Have we been in bondage to sin and Satan and so forth? And praise the Lord, his redeeming love is there to set us free from the power of of sin and, and slavery in our lives. All who would call upon him back in the book of Exodus were saved. Remember, he gave the command to take the, the lamb, to sacrifice the lamb, put it on the, the doorpost and the lintel and so forth. And he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Who was that available to? Anyone who chose to accept the conditions there. It wasn't a question of, did they deserve it or not? It was a question of, did they believe what God had said. God said, if you, if you come this way, you will be redeemed from the land of Egypt and the firstborn in your family will be saved. I wonder how many, even amongst the Israelites, thought this is foolish. We're not going to do this. And how many paid the consequences of that? And today, I wonder how many today have heard of the love of God? How many have heard the message of salvation? How many have heard that if, if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved? If we come through Christ and through his blood, we can have eternal life. How many people today say, that's foolishness. I'm not going to believe. And they miss out on, on eternity because of their lack of belief in the love of God. His is a redemptive love today. It's also a precious love. Psalm 36, verses 5 through 9, the psalmist said, Thy loving kindness, O Lord, extends to the heavens. You ever look up into the stars, into the sky at night, ponder the the vastness of the heavens? You you ever try to count the stars? You you just can't do it. They're so much greater than that. And that's the picture of his love here. It extends to the heavens. His faithfulness to the skies. The righteousness is like the mountain of God that Thy judgments are like a great deep, O Lord. Thou preservest man and beast. How precious is thy loving kindness, O Lord. And the children of men take refuge in the shadow of thy wings. They drink their fill of the abundance of your house. And thou dost give them the drink of the river of thy delights. For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light we see light. What a tremendous love that is it carries the idea as he speaks of it being a precious love it carries the idea it is something of tremendous value of tremendous worth something that is far greater than anything that we can experience in this life we we celebrate his greatness we we celebrate his faithfulness today and we should we we celebrate as he said there in verse 7 that he brings light and life into our lives Do we stop and meditate on the greatness of his love? 
do we take some time to, to really think this Christmas season of what it means to say, God loves me. God loves us. What a, what a tremendous thought. And uh, I, I hate to tell you this, but you, you can spend a lot of time meditating on it. You're still not going to fully grasp what it means that, that God truly loves you. It, it, it's far beyond what we can comprehend. There are many attempts in the Old Testament to describe the love of God. They were the children of Israel. They, they were the children of God, father-son relationship there. there there's the, the husband and wife concept. All, all of these are areas that help us to appreciate the value of God's love for us. The, the, to help us get a, a measure on the, the depth of his love to us. I would encourage you just, I mean, it's only a couple of days now. Well, just tomorrow, and then then it's Christmas Day, uh, and, and I and I realize tomorrow is the day that men do all their shopping <laughs> for, for for Christmas. But uh, take some time, somehow, some way, carve some time out this Christmas season, and just reflect on God's tremendous love to you. What does it mean? How, how he, has He expressed that love to you? Uh, it, it's a it's a great love and a great value to us today. In Israel, it was also a corrective love. Psalm chapter 3, verse 12, uh, and this is quoted again in the New Testament, but he says, for whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. And unfortunately, we don't always see his correction as an act of love, because we don't understand fully what he is doing. I wonder how many times when we were disciplined as children, we thought, oh boy, isn't it great mom or dad loves me? <laughs> that, that was the last thing from our mind. And yet, what value was that? What did it bring into our lives? An undisciplined child has a terrible life to look forward to. Without that discipline, if they don't learn it at home, they may learn it in the military, if they don't learn it there, they'll probably learn it in prison. Now, God cares enough about us. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, cares about, enough about us that, that he corrects us. It began in the Garden of Eden. And down through the centuries, God has been there. Uh, the history of Israel is one of people who would come and worship the Lord. And then they'd kind of drift away. They'd kind of forget the source of their blessing, and, and they would serve idols, and God would bring discipline into their lives. The book of Judges repeats that cycle over and over again. God, in his love, sent correction to his people, and, and that was a, a blessing to the nation of Israel. It's also, for them, it was a future love. Isaiah 43, verses 4 through 7, he says, since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored and I love you, I will give other men in your place and other people in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory, whom I am formed, even whom I have made. He loved them so much that he said, I'm going to bring you back into the land. I'm going to bless you. Now, that was a future hope for the nation of Israel. That had not been realized at this point. As a matter of fact, Judah was in the land when Isaiah penned these words, but they were about to go into captivity. 
and uh, they, they had some difficult days ahead uh, that they had to go through. But God said, I will never give up my love for you. I, I will never turn away from, from loving you. And they had that hope all throughout the dispersion. Uh, they were there because of idolatry, but praise the Lord, that wasn't the end of the story. God held out the hope that he was not finished yet with his people, that someday he was going to bring them back, someday he would be the Messiah to them, and they had that hope. And for Israel, there are many that still have that hope today. Uh, when they celebrate the Passover, even today, uh, they use that phrase, the next year in Jerusalem. They're, they're looking for the day when Christ, is, the Messiah, is going to come. Now, they, they don't fully understand that, but uh, they are hoping in a future love that God has for them. As a matter of fact, when they, they celebrate the Passover season, the, the youngest child has the responsibility in the midst of that, all, their ceremony at home, has the responsibility of going to the front door and opening the front door, and they, they look up and down the road to see if Elijah is coming because he's the messenger of the Lord, which would mean the Messiah was coming. And so they, they, they still have that hope built into their life, a hope that's based on the fact that God said, I love you. I have chosen you. You are mine. And, and they, they celebrate that love today. But what about God's love for us? Today, God has given us a redemptive love. John chapter 3 sums it up in verse 16. God so loved that he what? Sent his son. Why? To redeem us, to, to make it possible for us to be a part of his family, to bring us into fellowship with himself. 1 John 4.10 speaks of the fact here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he what? He sent his son as the propitiation for our sin. He loved us so much that he sent Jesus Christ into the world. We celebrate that this Christmas season. We celebrate the fact that God became man. We sang about that just a few moments ago in, one of the, in the Christmas carol. God became man and dwelt amongst us. Why? Because he wanted to redeem us, not from slavery in Egypt, but from the curse of sin, from the bondage that we are under to Satan without Christ, to the powers of, from the powers of darkness. John chapter 8, verse 32 says, if, uh, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And then just a few verses later in verse 46, uh, he speaks of the fact that that truth comes through the Son if the sun shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. Can we experience victory over sin today? Can we experience victory over the, the forces that are around us? I, I, I know we live in difficult days. We're, we're told that in the book of Timothy, that in the last days, perilous times will come. But so what? In the last days, the love of God's going to be there. He's going to see us safely through it. He, he loves us. He, he has redeemed us and that which he began, Philippians says, he's going to complete. Someday we're going to be home with him in glory. This was his plan before he even created the world. In Ephesians chapter 1, 6, he says, before the foundation of the world, he loved us. Isn't that remarkable to think? He loved us so much, even before you were even born, he loved you. 
and now that you're born, he, he still loves you. I, I, I marvel at that sometimes. Uh, you, you know, you, you, you ever wrestle with that with sometimes with your kids? You, know, you look forward to them coming and so forth, and then reality sets in. You've got to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning. You've got, you got all kinds of things that you have to do. And guess what? You still love them. And, and that's the way it is with God. With all of our faults and, and so forth, he still loves us today. And we can rejoice in, in his redemptive love. It's also a precious love. First John chapter 3, it says, See how great a love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God, and such we are. What a tremendous gift that is to be able to say we are sons of God. We have been brought into the family of God. He has bestowed that favor upon us. We are his part of his family today. We love Christmas time because it's a family time. We, we like to get together with kids and grandkids and, and on and on it goes. We love to celebrate those times together because they are precious to us. I remember the first year I was in college. I was, went from Pennsylvania to Texas. It's a long ways to go. And uh, came the end of the first semester, time to go home for Christmas. I didn't have the money to go home. But I did have the opportunity to do some work there on campus if I stayed. And so I chose to stay. I, I was all alone for the first time on a Christmas. Uh, you, you, you miss your family in those times. It, that, 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 that they can be tough times, but praise the Lord. God says his love is so precious. He has bestowed upon us the right, the privilege to be part of his family. And as you think about that, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you're not home on Christmas. You're down here. Someday you will be home with him in glory. Somebody said, uh, if you're part of the family, someone has said, home is the place where when you knock on the door, they have to let you in. <laughs> Think of that for a minute. We're part of the family. We're sons of God. When, when our time on this earth is finished and he says it's time to come home, we're not going to have to worry. If, are the angels going to bar the way into heaven? No, we're sons. We're daughters. We, we have that privilege. We're, we're coming home and they have to let us in. And what a tremendous love that is praise the lord for the the depth of his love to us it's also a corrective love and i'm not going to spend much time on that but have you ever noticed how often israel made the wrong choices how many times they they failed along the way and god had to come and correct them well same thing happens to us today hebrews chapter uh, 12 speaks of the fact uh, in verses 5 there it's, he says, five through seven, he says, and have you forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. He scourges every son he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. If it is for discipline you endure, God deals with you as with sons. And aren't you glad that God loves us enough to correct us. When we choose to go the wrong way, uh, when, we, when we look at our past, at some of the things we, we did, you, you ever wonder, how in the world can God love me? Well, he corrects, picks us up, puts us on our feet, and says, 
get moving again. It, it's settled. He, he, he's brought that correction into our life. He cares enough to confront us and, and to send us on our way. So much so that in that passage, in verse 11 there, he says, All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Praise the Lord. He cares enough to bring that peaceable fruit into our hearts, into our lives. He cares enough to do what is best. He picks us up. He puts us on our feet. And he says, get moving again. I I still have something to bless you with. I still have a work for you to do. Keep moving because I love you. It's also a a future hope. John speaks of that again in 1 John. We we looked at verse 1 there of chapter 3, how great a love he's bestowed on us. He goes on to say, now we are the children of God. It has not appeared yet what we shall be. We we discussed that a little bit in Sunday school class. How many of you are looking forward to going to heaven? How many of you have any idea what you're getting into? Uh, Eye hath not seen nor ear heard. It's going to be far more glorious than than we can imagine. uh, Those of you that have wild imaginations, let them run wild. You're never going to come up with what the glory that, that you're going to experience in heaven. It, uh, he, he has bestowed that hope uh, upon us today. But he goes on to say, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. What a tremendous blessing that is to think that someday we're going to see him as he is we're going to be like him. That process is going to be complete. We're, we're going to be, that what, what he's doing in our lives is going to be finished and we're going to be like him. What, what a tremendous hope that, that is today. Praise the Lord. He, we have experienced a measure of his love today. As he works in our hearts and lives, I, 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 we have so much to meditate on and to think about as, as we think of how God has loved us and how he's demonstrated that love to us. I, I like how George Beverly Shea handled the song, The Love of God. Now, did, I think I got that right. He wrote the music to it, didn't he? He wrote the music, yeah. Somebody else wrote the words, but he wrote the music to it. Uh, and, and as he used to sing that song, he'd stop in the middle of it and he'd, he'd talk about standing on the edge of the ocean, looking out over the sea. Uh, and, you know, when you stand on the edge of the ocean, you, they, they tell me, I've never tried to measure it, but they tell me you can see about 30 miles out there. And, uh, and then you got the curvature of the earth, so you can't see the rest of the way. But um, he, would, he would say, out there, there's more, much more. You know, 30 miles is just a drop in the bucket when you start out on the ocean. Uh, uh, There's so much more out there. And that's the way it is with the love of God. We have been tremendously blessed with his love. But there's more, much more coming our way. We can celebrate his love today. So much so that Romans 8 says, what is it that can separate us from the love of God? It goes on with a long list there. Uh, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things... He, he comes to the conclusion there is nothing, absolutely nothing in this world or the world to come that can ever separate us from the fact that God loves us. 
that his love is there for us today. No wonder we can sing redeeming love. No wonder we can sing of his, the greatness of his love to us. Uh, the love of God is actually unique to Judaism and Christianity. There is no other religion that celebrates love as you and I celebrate love. Uh, so many have a harsh God, a, a God that has to be appeased, a, a, a God that you have to be afraid of. We have a God who loves us, a God who loves us so much that he sent his son into this world to die for us so that we could have eternity with him. As, as we meditate on his love, a uh, couple questions come to mind. First of all, have you accepted his love to you? He loves you. He, he sent his son to go to the cross. He sent his son to die for you. But because he loves us, he waits. He waits. We have to make that choice. We, we have to choose to accept his love for us. If you haven't done that, you don't really have a reason to celebrate Christmas. You don't understand love. Uh, you need to, first of all, start with a love relationship with, with God himself. You can do that today. God so loved the world, he sent his son. He, he did everything necessary for you to experience his love. But you have to ask him. You, you, you have to accept that love and reciprocate, in a sense, that love today. Have you made that choice? Have you accepted the fact that he loved you so much that he died to make you a part of his family? And have you entered into that family today? And then if we have... And then in 1 John 4, 11, he speaks of the fact, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. We are the instrument today through which God sends his love out into the world. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 speaks of the fact that the love of God has been poured out in our hearts, has been shed abroad, he says, in, in us and, and through us. Someone has likened that to a pipeline. The, the, the source of that love is God himself. We're simply the, the pipe, the, the instrument through which his love flows and, and touches the world today. You know, we have many opportunities at Christmas time, I think, to demonstrate the love of God. Are, are we willing to pray, Lord, show your love through me this Christmas season? You know, it's not about what we get or and the gifts and the presents and all of that. It's about touching, touching someone's life with the love of God. Many of you will have family times. Anybody in your family need a touch of God's love today? Are you willing to say, Lord, love them through me? May I be the instrument of somehow showing them the fact that, that God loves them. Use me somehow to touch a life this week for the, for the glory of Jesus Christ. Help somebody somehow this week to see your love through me. Are we willing to pray that? And are we willing to act that out? Remember 1 Corinthians 13. Love there is an action word. It starts with love is kind. Uh, we like that one, but then he says love is patient. We have a little more, a little more difficulty with that one, don't we? Because uh, we want what we want and we want it right now. But are we patient with one another? Are we demonstrating his love? Are, are we accepting them? Are we, are we showing them the fact that God loves them so much that he sent his son into the world 
for them. Let's be instruments of love this Christmas season. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the depth of your love to us. We don't begin this morning to fully understand what it means when we say God loves us. We think of the sacrifice of Christ. We think of all that you've done for us. And we want to ask, first of all, that you would give us just the wisdom to carve out a little bit of time somehow between now and Christmas, just to stop and reflect on that very fact that God loves us and help us to marvel in that love today. And then, Father, as we begin to attempt to get a a grasp on the depth of that love, give us the courage to pray, Lord, love through me. Touch somebody's life through me this week that somebody else might have the opportunity to see a glimpse of your love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And we're going to sing Angels We Have Heard on High.